0: The last two elections were emotionally charged, and this one is as well. And uh, today, I wanna talk to you. I- I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for here today. We're not going through a list of issues. I- I'm not even gonna open the Bible and say, this is, this is what the Bible tells you to vote on or not vote on. That's, that's not what we're here to do today. But we have something at Triumph that we value very much. It is very precious to who we are and who God has called us to be, and that is our diversity. We are a diverse people. You look around the room today, you see people from all races. You see white people, and you see black people, and you see Hispanic people, and you see Asian people. But, but diversity is not just about race. Diversity is about age. In this room today, you will see young people and you will see seasoned people. <laughs> That's right. You're just you're not old. You're just seasoned. Right. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, I'm old. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you, Pastor. I am old. No, we're just seasoned. So age is what makes up our diversity. But it's not just age, it's gender. Triumph is not just a church for men or a church for women. But it is a church for both men and women to feel welcome and find a place to get involved and to worship together and serve and grow and learn. It's a place for all people. Triumph Church, is uh, our diversity is made up of our economic status. We have white-collar people in the room. And we have blue-collar people in the room. And some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm a no-collar person right now. <laughs> right? We have people from all spectrums. That's who we are. We have people who were raised different ways. We have people who, have different, who took different roads to get here. Your, uh, your religious backgrounds and your religious roots are very different. Uh, do we have any old Pentecostals in the room? Okay, that's where my family's from. Is there UPC. Or do we have any old Catholics in the room? Okay, any old Methodists? Any old Baptists? Thank God we were all delivered, right? <laughs> we all took different roads to get here. We are a diverse people, in and. and we have to not just value our diversity, but we have to protect it and watch over it because the enemy wants to get in and mess us up. And especially in times like we are in right now, it is an opportunity for the enemy to go to work. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, reading to you from the Message Bible. He said it like this, I have a serious concern. Everybody say serious. Serious. To bring up with you, my friends, using the authority of Jesus, our master. It was so serious that he brought Jesus' name into it. I'll put it to you as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. Clearly, understand, the, the letters that Paul wrote He wrote them typically to churches in response to issues that were going on, right? So somehow Paul heard about an issue or they wrote him a letter and he wrote this letter back in response. And he's saying, listen, you guys have not been getting along. For some reason, you're bickering and you're fighting, but you must get along. Then he says, you must learn to be considerate of one another. You've got to learn that even when we don't agree, we have to be considerate. This, this is fun to talk about until we start talking about the next president of the United States, right? And then best friends turn on each other. <laughs> Church people that love each other won't sit by each other. I'm not sitting by that guy, he might be going to hell. I don't even know. He's, <laughs> He goes on to say it like this. We must learn to be considerate of one another, living a life in common. We must cultivate a life in common. And uh, I love the word that he uses here, cultivate. The word cultivate, cultivate means you have to work it. The diversity that we have didn't happen on accident. We have to work it. We have to protect it. We have to water it. We have to watch over it. We have to make sure that it's taken care of or it will die out. I love the diversity that we have at Triumph because I believe that it it represents the very heart of God. Not every church, I I don't know if you're aware of this, but not every church is diverse. In uh, In the Bible in a couple of different places, we see where men got a, uh, a vision or a revelation about what was happening in the heavens right now, what's been going on for eternity and will continue to go on for eternity. And what we see is that God is on his throne and there are these angels and these elders surrounding the throne. And every time they look up at God, they see something in God, a side of God, and they are so blown away. And they are so, um, they don't even have words to describe the beauty that is God. So they fall down on their feet and they worship and they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, understand we were all created in God's image, but God has so many different sides, one person can't get them all in. And every time those angels would come up from crying, holy, 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 They would look up at God and it's as if the throne of God is turning like a prism prism, and every time you see they saw him again for all of eternity they saw a different facet or a different face of God and they said, wow, I haven't seen that before and they fall down on their feet and they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and they come up and they see a different side of God and they say, wow, I haven't seen that before holy, holy, holy is. do you see the process that's going on? For all of eternity It's a continual something unique and something different or something diverse about the nature and the character and the beauty of God. And so when He when we look down on triumph and and who we are, I believe we reflect that of God. That me, I alone, in, in how He made me, I am beautifully and wonderfully made. Wouldn't you agree? And yet, I can't reflect all that is God. So he calls his people together in all of our diversity, in all of our looking different and feeling different and sounding different and talking different and acting different. And he calls us all together. And he said, together, you start to reflect a little bit more of me. You still don't get it all. It will will take all of the world to be gathered together one day to really reflect me. But in this house, we see more of the picture of the faces of God than just I alone can give we reflect God himself we as a body of believers were made in his image as he just imagine God turning and every time he turns it's more of the diversity of God released you were fearfully and wonderfully made to reflect one of the faces of God are you with me? I love the diversity of God. I love how He made us. I love how He brought us all together. Our stories intertwine. They come from opposite ends of the spectrum, and yet God together pulls us together and makes something beautiful. So what I want to do today is I want to set the tone of triumph for the next few months. It's an election year. It's emotionally charged. It's an opportunity for the enemy to get in. I can't control the whole world, but I can challenge this church with, with these words, with this tone of how we act, how we behave, how we talk, How we interact, not just with those who believe like us, but those who believe differently than us. Okay? So let me, I'm not going to preach a typical message where I open one verse and have a text. But I'm going to give you some scripture. But I want to share with you a few statements to set the tone for the next few months. I think you're already getting nervous. Maybe we should pray. (laughs) Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. I love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for dying on a cross for us. Thank you for making us in your image. Thank you for triumph and who you've called us to be and for every person in it. God, we love you and what you have done in us. Open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, amen, amen. amen. Three statements. Number one is this. We cannot allow our differences To become divisions. Consider the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself, not divided against the world, against itself, will be ruined. And every city or household or family divided against itself will not stand. God has built a beautiful thing here, but if we are not careful, we can divide against ourselves, and we do the work of the devil for him. Get this. Here's what Jesus understood, and he's trying trying to explain. One of the works of the enemy is he knows that if he can divide a house or a family or a kingdom, he, does, he just has to step back and watch them destroy each other. You say, uh, if, if, if God before us, who can be against us? The devil can't be against us. No, he doesn't have to because we'll turn on and destroy ourselves. And, and so he likes to take the things that make us different and turn them into divisions. All he has to do is say, you two, you have worshiped together and sat on the road together for for 10 years. You've served in ministry together. You've been in altar calls together. You've done things together. But in this time, I'm going to take your political differences, and then I'm going to turn them into a spiritual division, and I'm going to destroy the work of God. Do you see how that can happen? And we have to guard against this. Jesus, this is getting in my way today. (laughs) Work with me. Here's what I believe I believe that diversity is not trying to make everyone the same, it is embracing our differences and loving each other for them, not in spite of them. You want me to say that for you again? Diversity is not trying to make everyone the same. But it is embracing our differences and loving each other for them, not in spite of them. Do you have a family member that you just have to love because they're family? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like They're family. And I got to love them. But God knows. Right? Diversity says... I'm loving you because we're all different. We come from different places. And I love you for your difference, not in spite of it. I'm loving you because we are different, not overlooking the fact that we're different. Do do, do you hear the difference in the heart there? So love each other, love each other. we got to love in in this house. Determine not to be offended or to cause offense. So if we don't want to let the enemy turn differences into divisions we cannot allow offenses to come up in our life here's here's what the bible says in proverbs 19 and 11 a person's wisdom yields patience it is to one's glory to overlook an offense because listen it is to your glory when you overlook an offense you had a right to be offended You had a reason to be offended. Everyone told you you should be offended. And yet, it is to our glory when we overlook the offense and make a choice. I'm not going to be offended today. I'm not going to be offended by this person or that person and what they said or didn't say or how they said it or the tone they used. I am choosing not to be offended. And then he goes on, or, or Paul goes on in Galatians 3. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. You know what? I don't know if you're aware of this, but every person in this room, including you, is flawed and has faults. Paul said, would you just make allowances for people to mess it up? Would you just allow, make allowances for them to, to have faults also? Make allowances for it. Make room for it. People are gonna say something wrong. I, I'm working on my, my 12-year-old daughter right now, and she's in that age, junior high, when every three minutes there's an opportunity for an offense. Have you ever put 10 12, 12-year-old girls together? It is non- Oh my Lord Jesus help me. I'm so glad it was never a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> like, holy smokes. <laughs> And every day, she said, uh, how was your day? Well, they did this, and they did that. And it was terrible because blah, blah, blah. And, was, and, 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 she, and I'm saying, baby, don't be upset about that. And she's saying, yeah, but dad, they did it. I agree. But at the end of the day, you'll spend your life offended at people. Because th- there's always an opportunity for an offense. You say, well, I'm just going to go live as a hermit, therefore people won't offend me. But then we get offended because no one checks on you. <laughs> right? Right? I'm leaving the world behind. The world didn't care about me. <laughs> There's always an opportunity for an offense. Every day you, go, you live, there is an opportunity to be offended by someone somewhere. And so make allowances for it. Expect it. Don't get angry with him. Let it be. And he goes on to say this. He says, uh, remember and forgive anyone who forgives you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so if you'd like to, you can forgive others. No. No. Notice that word must. It makes it command. a uh, command. God forgave you. You must forgive others. But they... Mm-mm. Yeah, but you don't under... You must forgive others. Make a choice. I'm not going to be offended, but I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to make room. I'm going to get. get I, I'm going to make allowance for other people to make mistakes, uh, and I'm going to determine that I'm not going to defend offend others. <coughs> My Facebook page, as yours probably is, is littered every day with articles and statements from both sides, both parties. It's people's opinions. Sometimes it's sheer lies. Actually, most of the times it's just lies. They sprinkle just enough truth in there to make you think it's real, to, to overshadow what they're trying to say, but it's full of it. Can I just say this to you? Just because you agree doesn't mean you should share it. Just because you 100% agree with whoever this mystery person that wrote this or said this and how they arranged the facts, doesn't mean you should share it. Because there's there's one side of it that says, I'm not going to be offended. And there's the other side that says, I'm not going to be a person that is offensive. I'm going to choose not to be offended. I know, we talked about Facebook, got really quiet. I'm going to make another statement for you. It's about to get worse. Uh, I was talking to a friend a month and a half or so ago, and he said to me, <clears throat> he, 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 was, he brought up uh, politics, and he said, don't you think that Donald Trump is the Antichrist? <laughs> it caught me off guard because we were not talking politics at all. It was just like, And then he said, I I kid you not, I I, I fell out laughing. He said, don't you think when he pulls that hair back, you'll see the mark of the beast underneath there? (laughs) I fell over laughing. I said, no, I don't think that. So let me make this statement. Neither Donald Trump nor Hillary Clinton are the Antichrist. And neither one of them is the second coming of Christ. Yes. Yes. They're politicians, with histories and beliefs. They are not the Christ, nor they are they the Antichrist. So let, let, let's not put the mark of the beast anyone on any of them, nor should we put pictures of them on a white horse riding in like Jesus. Okay? Everybody breathe for a minute. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. Okay. Uh, so let's but let's like, let's make room to hear other sides of the story. Hear what people have to say. Hear their sides. I'm going to keep going here. Uh, the first statement is this: We cannot let our differences become divisions. Everybody just breathe for a moment. So you've been hold your breath for like ten minutes now. You're like <sighs> number two. Christ is the answer. So let's act like Him. We don't see Jesus getting angry with the world for acting like the world. Now, we see Jesus angry at religious people for not acting like God or not being like, uh, acting uh, like Jesus or responding with the heart of the Father. We, we, we see him get angry with them, but we don't see Jesus mad at sinners for acting like sinners. We don't see him angry at the Roman Empire for acting like the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, they kept trying to trap Jesus, and he kept getting out of it. Don't get, don't get angry. When uh, You've heard me tell a story about when I first had Kennedy. Uh, you know, Lindsay and I, I was not prepared to be a father. It was a very scary, traumatic experience for me. Lindsay had to be Um, put completely under to have an emergency c-section the epidurals weren't working so she's like in recovery here I am with this baby I don't know what's going on it's just traumatic I'm crying the nurse is roughing the baby up and I'm like what are you doing to my kid I mean I don't know it was bad and so then we come back into the room and she brings uh, Kennedy in there and then you know she's all in the stuff and she's laying down and and Lindsay's still knocked out she can't really even move and and the nurse says okay who wants to change the first diaper and she's looking at me. And I'm like, uh oh, oh. <laughs> Not a chance. I don't want to change any diapers, much less the first diaper. I don't know what's coming out in that thing, but I don't want anything to do with it. You know, my dad, he's like the ultimate grandfather. He's like, me, 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 me. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, what's wrong with you? I did not like changing diapers. I'm telling you, I do not like changing diapers. I don't serve in the nursery. If we babysit uh, our, our, our nieces and nephews that were in diapers, Lindsay does all that, I'll hold them, I'll feed them. I do not like changing. I didn't like changing my own kids' diapers, but I had to change their diapers. When, when Kennedy was an infant, man, it's like that's all they do is they eat and mess up diapers, cry, get involved in my life, mess everything up. It was, it was just, You know what I'm talking about. I was not prepared to be a father. I'm not kidding with you. I think I was, I was like, I just, I just wanted to be married for a little while. So we got pregnant very early. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to go off that bridge. Y'all just, y'all back up from there. Make room for a person's, make allowance for their faults. Anyway, but every time Kennedy messed up a diaper, I can't get angry at her for messing up a diaper. She doesn't know any better. She's a baby. She's supposed to mess up her diaper. That's what she's supposed to do. I cannot get angry at her. And you know what? We cannot get angry for sinners doing what they do. We cannot get angry for the world doing what it does. If taken on the ways of the world and the systems of the world. Don't get angry. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't get angry at sinners. He didn't get angry at the world. It's not what he did. That's not, that's not how the, the posture of his heart was. So we shouldn't do that either. Because when we hate the world, it leads to, our, our anger leads to hate, it leads to judgment, and, and it leads to hardness of our heart. And you know what we won't reach anyone that we hate anyone that we're judgmental of and anyone who our hearts are hardened towards ask yourself what did jesus care about more than anything he didn't say The Son of Man came in the world to fix the Roman government. He said the Son of Man came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we're so busy hating and angry and judging and hardened towards the world, how are we ever going to reach them? Don't let anger towards the world deter you from your primary purpose. In fact, not only should we not be angry, but we have to do even more than that. Jesus said it like this, you have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I I, I love that he puts exclamation points here because Jesus is preaching along and he says, you know, you've heard it said that you, you can love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. I wonder if, if, he had preached this message a couple of times because this was his primary message that he went from town to town preaching. And I wonder if he started out saying, love your enemies, and no one would listen. So about the fifth time he preached it, he's like, hey, love your enemies. Hey, you. Everybody, no, I'm not doing that. Pray for those who persecute you because people weren't getting it. This is a hard thing to do, but this is the, the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of our Father God. I did. A, I, I read a study um, this week. And, it, and you can look it up. Uh, it's called the Motive Attribution Asymmetry. Three random words put together. <laughs> and it took me a while to fight through what this thing was saying to me, but I want to try to share it with you because it, it, it really gives us a picture of what happens in our world. They studied specifically um, Republicans and Democrats and Israelis and Palestinians. Two groups in that, that are, uh, are opposed to each other. And here's what they said. Um, we believe that those that are in group with us, those that are in our si- on our side, our actions and our motives are those of love and, and we, while attributing the other side, their actions and their motives to that of hate. Let's put it into perspective. Remember, they were studying Republicans and Democrats. So they say, to the Republican, he attributes his actions to, uh, to love. We're about helping people and creating opportunities. But to the Republican, he thinks that the Democrat is just about controlling people and making them think that they are helping. For the Democrat, he looks at, the, he looks at himself and, and he says, uh, you know, we're all about trying to help people, loving people. Uh, we're, we're all about creating opportunities for people, making sure that everyone is cared for. But those Republicans, they're all about greed. They're all about hate. And they're just trying to hurt people. What we do is, whichever side that we're on, we attribute good qualities, good words to our motives, while the other side... They're doing it for evil reasons. Think about how you feel about your persuasions versus how you feel about people on the other side. And this, isn't, this doesn't just apply to Republicans and Democrats. When you have uh, gender issues between men and women, the men are all doing this because they're, they're pigs. <laughs> but we women just want equal opportunity and men are on the other side right yeah if if it's class wars whatever it is um, if it's if it's religion right if it, if it's if it's the the pentecostals and the Baptists, we are pointing our fingers at them while us it's all we're all about love does that make sense and this issue this mode of attribution asymmetry you can look it up it creates tension where not only uh, but out of our uh, mistrust for your motives now i won't compromise with you and i won't negotiate with you but i'm going to be in a standoff with you because i don't trust your motives because your motives are evil while i'm just trying to do good and thus we end up in a place where our government ends up at a stalemate everyone's evil and everyone's good and it's it's just a hot mess we end up with churches that don't get along we end up with families uh, that won't come together because I'm good and you're evil. No, wait. I'm good and you're evil. Does that make sense? In our world, I, I think we ought to be more like Jesus who had compassion on the hurting and compassion on the sen- sinner and compassion on, on, on the people of the world even though they didn't believe like him we everything is politically correct these days it has to be said just right we don't want to offend people we don't want to do this and so our government comes in and because there's so much hatred in our world our government tries to write laws to fix the problem but our government has to do what they can do but governments write laws it's what they do but the truth is our government is trying to write laws to fix heart issues Does that make sense? We need strategies. We we need ideas. But at the end of the day, what we really need is God to help us. Because it's God that writes on the hearts of men. Christ is the answer. He, 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 he's not trying. Think about it in the Old Testament versus the New Testament, right? In the Old Testament God was working on the outside in. He gave us a list of laws to live by. But in the New Testament he said, no, no. We're going to write on the hearts of men and work from the inside out. And that's what we need in America. That's the answer to the hate. And that has to start in the church. You know, one of the major issues that came up right here in, in our city, uh, made national news just a month or so ago, uh, was the issue of transgender bathrooms, right? Nod your head. If you remember when that was going on, still going on, but it was, it was really a hot issue, hot topic. Just a few minutes ago. I want to talk about it for a minute and I want to just, just give me a second. And I want to kind of show you a picture that God showed me and it, it it changed my heart. Okay. And I'm going to try to illustrate it I may not do a good job, but I'm going to try. I need um, two men uh, to jump up here and volunteer for me, and I need a teenage girl and a teenage guy. One, two. I got two men. I need a teenage girl. Albert, will you help me volunteer someone? I you me to be a no, I want you to. <laughs> <laughs> no. Y'all jump up here. We're going to come right up here. These will do. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, yeah, that'll work. Come on. Come on. Yeah, we're going to come right up here. (coughs) All right. Okay, I want you to come right over here. Jason, you go over here. All right. I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves so that the church knows who you are. Rick Hardy. Rick Hardy. Grace Granger. Grace Granger. Jesse Hardy. Jesse Hardy. Jason King. Jason King. Okay, so you you guys, y'all swap here for me. All right, here we go. So, understand the issue. How many of you nod your head at me if you got real serious about this issue? I have a 12-year-old girl. I got very serious about this issue. All right? So, Jason and his lovely daughter, Grace, aren't you so proud of her? I am. I, I knew you would be. Yes, sir. He hears about this issue. He immediately gets angry. I don't want my daughter Going into a restroom with boys? What are we thinking? Uh, the, the boys are going to abuse it. Why? Because, you know, boys tend to do that. Hormones and everything else. I don't want them. And then it goes further. Because see, here's the thing. It doesn't just stop at the restrooms, right? Then it goes to the locker rooms. I don't want my daughter changing in front of boys. We're, we're, we're Christians. We're believers. She's trying to keep herself pure. She's serving God. And I don't want her having to expose herself or shower with boys. That is wrong and I am in total disagreement with it. I don't want that going down. Any fathers of daughters would agree with that. I don't want that going. I don't want her living in fear that some boy is going to come in and, and and you know we go straight to he's going to rape her and molest her and and do wrong things to her and I don't want that going on can I get an amen amen Amen. and then you know what my daughter is in athletics and so it's basketball and it's softball and she wants to try out for volleyball this year and I don't want her competing against bigger stronger guys who are just by their DNA for the most part bigger and stronger I don't want that going on so he gets angry and he gets upset and the daughter begins to fear I'm scared to go to the bathroom, Dad. I'm scared to go to the locker room because something could happen to me. And, I, and, and so we begin to live in fear. Are you guys good actors? I want you uh, it, Well, we'll come back to it here in a minute. I'll just just think, think on what it would look like to be afraid and think on what it would look like to be angry and protective. Okay. Now. For most of us in this room, it is very easy to see this side of the issue. Am I right? Well, let's come over to this side. All of his life, scoot over just a little bit. There you go. All of his life, he has been confused, regardless of what you believe. He genuinely and truly believes that he is a girl. (laughs) It's hard to do. (laughs) I'm not a girl. (laughs) He said, "I'm not a girl." (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, Just, just hang with me for a minute. Hang with me for a minute. But he genuinely believes that he is a girl trapped in a boy's body. For much of his life, he hid it. He lived in fear of what the world would think. Finally, a few years ago, he expressed his feelings and his conviction and his confusion and his hurt to his father. To the person who was supposed to love him no matter what and who was supposed to protect him. But his father was immediately angered by it and made a declaration not with my boy and he spent the next few years trying to man him up and toughen him up and forcing him to try to do man things to to push out what was going on in his heart and declaring that this will not happen to you as if somehow from the outside we can fix what's going on on the inside and this young man was broken and hurting because if anyone should continue to love him and before him it should be his father and his mother but they're not finally his father accepts it doesn't like it doesn't want it doesn't agree with it but he figures out how to accept it and love his son anyway but he has to go to school every day and every day of his life he's mocked he's made fun of He lives in fear every time he goes to the restroom. He's not living and going in fear of what might happen. He's going in fear of what has happened to him time and time and time again as boys will be boys and ignorance will be ignorance and they have beat him and and mocked him and kicked him and made fun of him and publicly humiliated him. So he's so full of hurt. And brokenness and pain, that he takes handfuls of, of um, uh, antidepressants and bi- bipolar medication and uppers and sleeping aids and everything he can just to survive. But that doesn't even work. So, what do we do next? We start cutting ourselves to try to release the pain that we're feeling every single day. I want you to hear me very clearly. I am not saying that it is God's plan or his will or he is okaying transgender or homosexuality or sexual immorality in any kind. But I want you to take a picture at what the person lives with every day. Get down on your knees with me for a moment, if you will. I want you to do your best to look broken, like you're crying, like you're hurting. Can you do that for me? Just try, just like this. Head in your hands will be fine. Just head in your hands. The father who spent years shaming now has to come to the defense of his son. So I want you to put up your hands like you're about to fight. I want you to be really angry. I want you to to be back in fear, okay? You're, you're, You're scared and you pointing, you're pointing this way, all right? And you're pointing because he's the problem. You did it. And this is what we end up with, hurting people, angry people, and where is Jesus in the mix? And this is what God showed me. I saw this picture as I was reading page after page and what people were saying on both sides, and God stopped me, and he showed me this picture. He said... Here's what Jesus did, and here's what he would do. He would go to them, and he would lift them up, stand up with them. And he would hug them and tell them how he loves them. And he would put his arms around them, and instead of facing each other in anger and fear, he would turn them, and he would point them to the cross. Jesus cared about the sinner. And Jesus didn't use the law to punish people or separate them from God, but he used the cross to forgive and bring people to the Father. Where are you in the scenario? We need solutions, guys. We need solutions, but... The pointing and the angering, and the angry and the hatred is not solving anything. I want to challenge you. Don't be the Christian pointing at others, but be the Christian pointing others to God. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Y'all give them a hand. I'm out of time. Can I have seven more minutes? Okay um the third thing is we have to know who our enemy is we don't battle against flesh and blood but we have an enemy peter said be sober and be vigilant for your enemy the devil not the politician not the republicans not the democrats not men, not women, not the LBGT community, no, 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 the devil is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We gotta know who our enemy is. And the reason I can put my arm around hurting people and putting them to the cross is because the people aren't the enemy. I wanna show you one video and it's gonna take six minutes, but it's gonna be worth your time. If you have to leave, I understand, but it's gonna be worth your time. Someone tagged me in this video and it's a young girl couple of kids, and she's just sharing her heart through a spoken word or a poem, and uh, I want to I play it for you really quickly, and then we're going to pray.
1: I wrote something a while ago, and it was just kind of about the state of the world and things that were going on in the world, and so I've been praying a lot about it, and with everything that's happened um, in this past week with Pulse and Christina Grimmie, um, I just feel like there's a lot of truth in the words, and so I just wanted to share it with you, Um, it's a spoken word I guess, or like a poem if you want to think I'm real hardcore you could call it a rap. I'd like to think it was a rap, I'm pretty hardcore. But um, so I'm just going to read it and you'll probably see the pages turn a few times because I don't want to mess any of it up, but um, I'll just start then. Look outside of yourself and what do you see? A world that is shaken, taken out at the knees. We all stand waiting, breath hitched in our throat, for a bomb in a subway, a train or a boat. What happens next, who will die, can it stop? Living in fear for the next shoe to drop. Will it be terrorists or race wars or poison? Will it be accidental or of our own choices? A tornado or fire or tsunami could do it. What happens next and will we get through it? Stereotypes rule us, they steer our decisions. We cut each other down with a surgeon's precision. He's white so he's racist, he's black and entitled, he's a terrorist Muslim, he's a judge with a Bible. Prayers are just platitudes, they no longer hold weight. Religions once known for love, now spewing judgment and hate. We don't value people, we don't care who they are, we keep normals up close and weirdos out far. We've declared war on the wrong things like bathrooms and cups, forgetting people that use them want acceptance and love. Those who used to be called on for protection and service. Will they help us or beat us or save us or hurt us? Loneliness rampant in a world of connection. So many screens in our face, we can't share true affection. Kids punch their parents and cuss out their teachers so desperate for love, having sex under bleachers. Attention so long for, they'll shoot each other in school. Drinking is normal and drugs are now cool unwed teenage mothers and absentee fathers with no clue about words like cherish and honor when tragedy strikes people start looting robbing cash registers during theater shootings radical killers empty gun clips in clubs hopeless young mothers drown their kids in their tubs the world's falling apart it's barely holding together the most dependable thing that we have is the weather and it can't be predicted and it can't be controlled Hurricanes are massive and earthquakes are bold. Thunder rolls in and lightning will pop. In part of the world, it's raining nonstop. In other parts of the world, they're struggling with doubt. Our planet is dying. All we need is running out. Excuses are given by chatty politicians. Global warming has caused it. It's greenhouse emissions. Natural resources are dying because of pollution. We're fighting each other in need of solutions. Instead of working together, we're calling mean names. Instead of helping each other, we're transferring blame. We're searching for reasons to explain all that's happened, to escape from this cycle we feel like we're trapped in. But the truth is simple, so lend me your ear. It's not ISIS or Muslims or jihads to fear. It's not men and women we come against in the night, but principalities and powers of darkness we fight. Long before we were born, an enemy rose. He had all he could want, but it was pride that he chose. So down he was cast to earth his new home, determined to kill and to rob as he roamed. He's filled our minds with trash and blinded our eyes, our integrity traded for secrets and lies. He doesn't care for our destiny or our future purpose. He has only one goal. He just wants to hurt us. He doesn't have to work hard, we're doing his job, killing each other and then blaming God. Like it's his fault we struggle, that we're down and we're out, but it's not God's fault that we're swimming in doubt. We're sitting around while the problem gets bigger. Satan loaded the gun, but we pulled the trigger. So it's not black versus white or men versus women. It's not even us against this terrible villain because the battle's been fought and the victory won, this fool will not win, his time, it will come, he who is faithful will ride in on a horse, on the enemy's head, his wrath will be poured, but in the meantime, please don't lose hope, I know that it's easy, it's a slippery slope, when things look so dark, we no longer see light, and it feels like we're living in perpetual night, but hear what I say, there is peace in the end, it's coming so quickly, It's right round the bend. Our tears don't go unseen or fall to the ground. He sees every heartbreak and grimace and frown. God gets no joy from our pain. He doesn't celebrate hurt. We're not abandoned in suffering. He is not deterred because we are his children and he loves us so much. He longs for us all to know love's gentle touch. He doesn't shout at our weakness or mock our small frame. In fact, he loves us so much He's called us by name. The world is corrupt. It's a sin-riddled land. But that isn't God's fault, and it isn't his plan. So the enemy can try again and again, but he cannot have us, and he will not win. So if it's a gun by a young man gone mad, if it's depression so great we'd rather die than be sad, if disease spreads the land and kills every crop, if right on our heads an atom bomb drops, If terrorists come or the world starts to flood, we can rest easy. We were bought with his blood. All we must do is ask for God's grace, for him to come in and take his rightful place as the Lord of our lives and the King of our hearts, and that very instant, his covering starts. He'll go before us and stop hell in its tracks. His hands will protect us from enemy's attacks. You might think I'm crazy and this stuff isn't true, but with the world, how it is, what have you to lose?
0: Well said, right? Stand with me. I want to invite you to pray. I want to pray for our church. The tone of our church would reflect the heart of the father, love, compassion, choosing not to be offended. And not to offend, to protect what God has done here, despite what happens in the world. But I want to pray for our country. That God would bless America. With all the things going on in America, there's still no place I'd rather live. This is this is where God set me and called me. And I will pray for her and our leaders, regardless of who's elected. I will pray for them and ask God to give them wisdom and guidance to help our, our people. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for this great church, for this great people. We are a diverse people from all walks of life, all shapes and colors and all ages and all genders and, and all everything. God, we're just all coming together to worship you. I thank you that we get to reflect who you are in the earth today. I'm grateful for it, Lord. Lord, we want to protect who we are. Let us be people of love. Let us be people that, that are looking through your lens to a hurting world. We're not angry at the world for being the world, but we love them. And we're always pointing people to you and pointing people to the cross, pointing people to Jesus, that he might be the hope and the answer, that it that we would go to the straight Uh, to not try to uh, deal with hatred from the outside but father across this nation get to the hearts of your people get to the hearts of this country and, and soften us bring in love where there was hatred and anger and bitterness and strife lord bless america bless triumph bless our people Lord, we we pray for those in office. We pray for those that will one day be there. We declare wisdom will come across this nation. We declare that people will begin to reach across the aisle to come together for the good of the people, for the hurting, for those uh, far and wide. Do a great work in America. Let your light shine through Triumph Church, Lord, through other churches around this nation. Let your light shine before men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.